could you assemble an AI that just uses that remixes my phrasing and recognizes? I could make like, a very keys. bad AI that would just randomly say things <laughs> like "It's a me, hot mic." <laughs> And welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and affirmations. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And Matt, I gotta say, despite the incredible heat, you look great today. Bob, you also look great today. You know, I know that you recently have tried out contacts. For yeah, I did. And your, your initial comment that was that because you don't no longer have eye. Uh, eyeglasses shrinking things around you that everything looks larger than normal it did it was like i went into the giant world in mario super mario brothers 3 yeah, yeah it was really weird because my my prescription is so strong that it like makes everything that i actually see very small I've i learned i just wanted to say that with or without glasses you look great thanks dude and no i problem. gotta say you look great too both of our glasses are fogging because yeah. of the incredible heat in here i, I can't really see you so i actually don't <laughs> know if you look great or not but uh i want to let you know Despite that, it actually improves the way you look. <laughs> I can tell you that you sound great. Thanks, man. Um, so that's some affirmations. Yeah. I think we should a, keep this up, though. I think so, because you know, it's been a really rough couple weeks, I think, for anybody uh, with a moral compass in this country, and uh, we need to feel good. So let's feel good for a while. Let's feel great. Because we're good, and you're good. Listener. Listener, you look real good. You look great. That was extremely creepy the way you said that. You look really nice. I don't know. When you lowered your voice, that was... You look really nice. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> but I got to say, your but voice you is beautiful. <laughs> listener, you listen real good. Listen up, listener. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is the part of the show where we usually talk about news in the world of video games. And yeah. I got to say, this is a great part of the show, Matt. It is. This is one of the best parts of the show. Unfortunately... Today, because we're coming off of E3, not a whole lot of news. Uh-oh. But you know what? It's still going to be one of the best parts of the show. I was going to say, I think you're going to do a great job with it. Although I don't really want to rank the parts of the show because they're all a clean and even astounding across the board. <laughs> I always look forward to this part of the show. So do I. Anyway, in the news, uh, first piece is that PUBG, the developers of PUBG, have, uh, this PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, have dropped their lawsuit against Fortnite because they have recognized that Fortnite is great and PUBG is great and everything's great and everybody's feeling really good. Wait. I think that's why they dropped I the lawsuit. I actually didn't hear this. Why did they drop the lawsuit? I think that they realized there was no lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid publicity stunt that was. The lawsuit was initially against the idea that uh, Fortnite had borrowed some, or not borrowed some, but like stolen some. Outright stolen. Outright stolen some UI aspects of the of player unknown's battlegrounds formula the real the real reason is that fortnite co-opted the entire concept concept of a, of a battle battlegrounds uh genre which is fair it's a genre it's but, a uh, it's a situation in which to put players yes that's like like nintendo never sued anybody over anything that was like mario not even commander keen they did not no uh actually though uh oh. Fun fun this is actually a fun bit of id lore. Oh, I love fun id lore. You uh initially yeah, go for it. the developers at id, John Carmack and John Romero, uh the first thing that they did before they made Commander Keen 
was copied the first level of Mario by having John Romero sit on the floor and play it and show each screen, pausing it on each screen so that John Carmack could code it. They made the first level of Mario with a different dude in it named Dangerous Dave. And then they sent it to Nintendo with the title Dangerous Dave in Copyright Infringement (laughs) and said, let us put Mario on the computer. And Nintendo said, no. And then they made Commander Keen and Doom. That is the sweetest way to copyright infringe anybody. Yeah, it's adorable. That's really cool. Um, I did know that. Is that. Have you ever read Masters of Doom? Is that a good book? I've read it multiple times. I've never read it. Do you think I would like it? Uh, I think it's a really good book when I was in, like a freshman in high school, which is when I read it, and you really like Doom. Okay. Is it lyrical? It's a book. Okay. 100% a book. Um, anyway, PUBG uh, dropped that lawsuit. Nothing will happen. Uh, but in other litigious news, oh. Bethesda Softworks has sued Warner Brothers. I believe Warner Brothers Interactive, although I did not check that. But has sued Warner Brothers Interactive for some Westworld video game. Did you hear made. about this? I, uh, clearly, I heard about it because I'm oh. reading the headline to you. <laughs> I'm so glad because it's uh, awesome. So there's this Westworld video game that's a lot like Fallout Shelter. It, With Fallout Shelter being a mobile game that was developed and released um, a little bit ahead to build hype for Fallout 4. But which found an ongoing audience. People really like it. Fallout Shelter. You, like, um, really respectable people as well have had long, long periods of play in Fallout Shelter. I've heard it's good. I It makes me curious about Fallout Shelter. It does not make me curious about Westworld the game, which really should be called Westworld, the game of the TV series that is basically more or less about games. Yes. Um, have you watched any of Westworld? I watched the first half of the first season and I said, I've seen Lost. I know that none of this will pay off. And then I stopped watching it. And now when everyone at work says the second season of Westworld wasn't very good, I get to turn around and smile smugly and they get to hate me. But then you say, I really like that shirt on you. Yeah, exactly. And then, and, I, and then I say... Everything's restored. Yeah, but you have great opinions about TV, and this doesn't undermine them at all. No, not Except all. that it does. It does everything. Um, I have watched part of season two, and I actually intend to finish watching season two because I find the show sort of interesting in what it does wrong with timelines. Oh, interesting. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a show that I will continue to watch, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I also am really tired of the question of do robots... Uh, does AI or robots or whatever you want to call it at a certain are level... Are they people? Are they people? Like, did we not answer this with Blade Runner? <laughs> I don't know. There's like, did you watch the end of Blade Runner and you were like, I don't know, are they robots or do they have feelings? Like, well, if you... I guess that the, the question is, did you finish Blade Runner and go, it still matters? <laughs> like, if you left that and you were like, but is he a robot? Then you miss the point of Blade Runner. It depends on whether you watch the director's cut or the original theatrical version, though. Back to the story here. Uh, do you did you find out how this bug was discovered? I mean, how this uh, infringement was discovered? No. Well, uh, the code, the code was stolen, which Warner Brothers is denying outright. So, but here's how Bethesda knows: there is a bug in Westworld, the game, that was patched out. Of the Fallout Shelter game before release. And developers on the Westworld game worked at Bethesda before the release of Fallout Shelter. 
So the people who made Fallout Shelter saw this bug, which has to do with the camera not focusing properly in certain situations. And they said, that's our bug. And those people left before the patch went out. Okay. Question. Like, Warner Brothers has outright denied that there was any kind of stealing of code. So, so did Oculus, as, and Bethesda won that one, too. As someone who works with code, I is do. there any chance that this code could have just repeated itself it by is, pure chance because you have two games that are relatively similar in design? It is incredibly unlikely for this specific bug to exist. In the way the way that it's described is so comically specific. It's like you leave a menu and the left corner of the screen you tap and then the camera focuses in the specific way, not on the foreground, and then slowly realizes it should focus on the background and clicks in. It's such a specific thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so clearly just like it's not game breaking. Somebody noticed it in testing at Bethesda before they shipped. Somebody didn't notice it in this other company before it shipped. But it's so specific in the ways that it's caused that it's definitely... Either it's theft or somebody just had an incredible memory and didn't remember... You know, didn't know that they had a bug in the thing that they originally wrote. I guess that that's still theft. I don't actually know what the, the rules are on, like... I remembered something and re-implemented it. But yeah, I, I can which tell is, you which that is tricky. I've never written the same thing twice exactly the same because you always get better. Well, that's interesting because I often write, you know, as, as, a, as a writer of sentences as opposed to code, I actually often will sometimes repeat myself. I'll find myself self-plagiarizing in pieces. Well, I guess you can't call it self-plagiarism unless if it's published, but I will find myself. Yeah. And I have discovered this by writing pieces then going back and rereading old pieces and realizing like oh god well and and so that will happen right where like if i've if i've uh if i've figured out how to like make push notifications work on a phone Mm -hmm. i've done that once next time i do that i know what i need to do so i'll be kind of plagiarizing myself i'm building on the knowledge i had before but the specific ways in which i implement it will be different unless i just copy and paste what i had before which is super common everybody does that yeah. But that's illegal if you did it for one company and then do, and it, then for do it for another. Which so, hopefully your copy-paste clipboard wouldn't hold on to that for so long. Anyway, thank you for your court testimony. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, and I think Bethesda should win. All right, moving on. Overwatch has a new character. It's a hamster named Wrecking Ball. And you could say that he's coming in like a... Hamster in a... Wrecking hamster ball. ball. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, never yeah. mind. Uh yeah, have Overwatch you, is a seen, new character. Have you seen the Billy Corgan cover of Wrecking Ball? No. Do I, you want to take a break and watch it right now? It seems like something you'd really like. All right, let's take a break. Let's take a break. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard and long. All I wanted was to break your walls. All you ever did was break me. What'd you think? Billy Corgan is very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been more aroused. Billy, no, he's Billy not. Corgan. Corgan. I always, always say Corrigan. That's not it's his a, name. Yeah, I know. Um, anyways, uh, I think that's a good cover. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, are you going to play more Overwatch? No. No? Nah, me neither. I, I, Overwatch is great. I love that this character exists. I think it's a really charming idea for a character. It's perfectly Overwatch. Keep going, Blizzard. You're yeah. killing it. As I've said before, Overwatch is candy-coated candy. I'm it is, with it. and this leans even harder into it. Yeah, and I will say they. 
Sorry, that's my ice popping. Okay. It's hot out. Uh, more than any other developer or game that I know of, they really understand how to make characters that are a meme already. Yes. They are they are so good at it. It is absurd, and they can build the hype for new characters in such an effective way. Uh, I have huge respect for Blizzard. And for Overwatch, I just um, increasingly do not enjoy multiplayer shooters. Oh, that's interesting. Something we'll touch on later. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Because you always have great points. Mario Tennis <laughs> Aces came out. How is this a news item? I don't know. Did you know that that came out? I did. Uh, I've heard that it's... So it's funny because some of the reaction to this has been a little bit negative because the single player is pretty weak. But my understanding is that the multiplayer is very good, but that the game is insanely deep. Like it's they they structured it like a fighting game. Really? And it's like very So the character variation is just immense. Well, and, and, And it has like... The strategic variability is so much more than just like, I have a lob shot and a not lob shot. It's like there are eight different kinds of shots. There are different ways to manipulate the court. Everybody's building meter. You can use the special meter in different ways. Can you aim in more than like four different directions? Uh, I don't know, having not played it. But my understanding is that what's basically happened is that it's just too raw. And then it doesn't have a single player because Mm. it's kind of based around the idea that it's a competitive game. All right, interesting. I it really intrigues me, but not enough for sixty dollars. Oh, same, same. Also, I have played a lot of Mario Tennis on the N sixty four, and I might be wrong, but I don't like that game. I love that game. In fact, maybe I'm not wrong. Why don't you like that game? I just don't like it. It doesn't feel good to play. Oh, I disagree. Um, but I'll bet you you would really dislike this game, though. It does seem like some of the distaste for this game. I read a very long Reddit thread about this. Is from people who were like, "Oh, I played a lot on the GBA and the." 64 version Mm. or maybe it was the 3ds version either way one of the portable versions and the n64 version which were pretty casual and that this game is just extremely savage interesting (laughs) uh and so there if you spent your 60 dollars and you're like well i'll just be able to play it with myself and my friends and we'll just kind of hang out it's like there's a mode that's marked like casual or something which is just demeaning but like makes it that so nobody does that and then it's just ultra punishing it's just unfun yeah um, yeah, I've always been more of a Mario Golf man myself. Oh, I love Mario Golf. Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color. Great game. Great game. Incredible game. game. So many good Mario Golf games, really. Really good, yeah. Um, a good anyway. golf game. Underappreciated. Golden Tee? Oh, I mean, Golden Tee's fun. I don't love it so much. Uh, there was a time in my life when I was playing some of that Tiger Woods, like 2007. Oh. And uh, that game was very good. Were you playing it in 2007? Yeah, yeah. At the time. Was that the time in your <laughs> that life? That was the time in my life. <laughs> uh, you also really enjoy that other game that's on the Switch, the Neo Geo Golf, right? Oh, my God, yes. There's beautiful animation. Neo Turf Masters. Uh, yeah. I, again, would really like to recommend Neo Turf Masters, which I played on a, on a flight or something pretty recently again. It was just like, man, people should talk more about Neo Turf Masters. I played that with you briefly, and I thought it was a lot of fun, but I was extraordinarily taken with the animations it the, is a beautiful game the uh, for an older game the the those two-dimensional animations are so smooth and so they should be studied it's right at the end of people using sprites and so it's sprites yes. but like the swing animation has it feels like a billion frames of animation in it. so it's it's like watching a video of a sprite person it's super surreal i love it it's a great game also it's just fun to play easy to pick up golf which i find golf games really enjoyable specifically yeah. when you're it's playing the complete them. opposite of real golf in that regard 
Oh yeah, yeah. But it is more fun with somebody else, which is true to real mm-hmm. golf. So oh, very, you know, very have accurate. a beer. Does anybody golf alone, other than professionals who need to practice like every day? I don't know. I actually, I so in high school I was part of a golf league, and I uh, I did golf alone. I don't hold that against you. I just want you to know that I really value you as a friend. And I don't hold it against <laughs> you that you were in a golf league in high school. Uh, I mean, it was it was just in the summers. There was a yeah. par three course at this pool that we were members to because it was really cheap. And I would just go out there and play golf, and it was oh, fun. I played tennis in high school, actually. Oh, man. We're just the bougie bros. I know. Seriously, we're the waspiest motherfuckers <laughs> ever. That's what everybody says about us. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Zero stars. <laughs> A show for wasps by wasps. <laughs> no Ant-Man. <laughs> Paul Rudd can get the hell out. Uh, in other Nintendo news, uh, Switch players and Xbox players can Minecraft together. Dude, this is crazy. This is really cool. You can get Xbox achievements on a Switch. Oh, I didn't know that. That changes everything. Yeah. Because I play video games for the Switch. Achievements. <laughs> Does Switch have achievements? No. Okay. Nintendo, whenever anybody asks, they go like, getting stars should be an achievement. <laughs> The experience of the game is not achievement enough. Yes, exactly. Long drag on cigarette. Yes, exactly. Just like picture of Link looking over a hill and just like, (laughs) is this an achievement for you, gamer? You Uh, climbed a fucking mountain. You climbed that hill. Um, Yeah, it's actually really strange and speaks to Microsoft's strategy, which they kind of articulated at E3. Inclusivity? Just generally the idea that Microsoft does not give a shit where you play their games. They just want you to play their games. And they are going to provide a way for you to do that. But they're also very open to the idea that there are other ways to do that. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the issue primarily is that you hope that their games are a little bit better. They but make bad games. Uh, <laughs> wait, is is Minecraft available on the PlayStation? Yes. Okay. So the my, despite being owned by Microsoft, they've they've spread wisely spread Minecraft to every single. It's everywhere. Yeah. But then the problem is that if you have a so the, the the real thing that's happening here, you have a Minecraft account. Yeah. You buy cosmetic items for your Minecraft dude. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you go and you sign in on a different type of console you no longer have those things if that uh, if that console is sony's otherwise you have all those things okay so sony, and everything sony racks still... up to your microsoft account and this tracks with what was happening with fortnite on switch which is that if you signed into your your fortnite account on switch um your sony items would not carry over exactly so that that's the problem or your here. sony it's, profile entirely yes it's, carry it's, over. it's that Sony is not allowing things that happen on their console to propagate to other ones it's less of like it's just the idea that these publishers, and it's it's important to think about Microsoft not as Xbox, but just yeah. as a game publisher. For all intents and purposes, the Microsoft achievements in Minecraft are just a feature of the game because it's a Microsoft game. Yeah. And so basically it's like, I need to be able to sign into my Microsoft account on other people's consoles. And that's what's being disallowed on Sony's console, which is why people mm. are upset. And the way that Nintendo is leaning into this is also interesting to me. Because it's really this acknowledgement that Nintendo doesn't compete with these guys. Uh, and I think that Nintendo has always known that. And anybody in the world has always known that. Uh, you know, the decision is not between, like, the new Call of Duty and Zelda. It's just, if you want to play a Zelda game, guess what? You're getting a Nintendo platform. Yeah. And sometimes that bites Nintendo and sometimes it doesn't. But they're not in active competition with the core 
two big consoles. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Yeah, it, I think it's very indicative of Microsoft's strategy. It indicates that Nintendo doesn't care uh, about the rat race of consoles, which totally makes sense. Nintendo is going to be a portable platform, and Sony has already lost that war. Yeah. Uh, like, Nintendo beat them. And now Sony is just trying to say, well, we're number one. Well, Sony's trying to say we have all the exclusives that you actually want to play. And well, and, so and they're in the lead. Us, they have yeah. no incentive. They also don't personally own anything that they sell on other consoles. So it's not in their interest mm. to, like, open anything up. You know? It, it's like... what Other than other than, than brand appeal, which is not insignificant because that's to a degree what lost Microsoft the most recent software or a hardware war. Potentially. There were, I think, other things at play there. I guess there the question is There were definitely other things this. at play there, but there's no question that going into the current generation of consoles, Microsoft's cockiness and their, their you know... Their, their belief broad, that yeah, they won, that they that they had won the previous console generation was, and, and so that could affect this one. We don't really know what console generations are going to be like anymore, which yeah. is something that's actually going to come up in my very next point. Unless you have anything to add, no, crush that segue. All right, Kotaku has reported that Google is developing a gaming platform. I saw this headline and I read nothing about it. Tell me more. Right. So streaming is going to be key. This Obviously. means that hardware is less of an issue, um, and that's maybe a good thing if you're pairing it with a Google Fiber network. That's a very good thing if you but live in a metropolitan area. Yes, otherwise, less less handy. Turns out um, America's big, and sometimes we forget about big. the middle part, <laughs> and sometimes it, it burns us real bad. Real bad. Really, really badly. Call your congressman. Multiple, multiple supreme court seats the rest badly. of our generations in this country will feel the reverberations of this time so but you look great account. dude yeah thank you you do too you're weathering it so well <laughs> the bags under my eyes lessen every day i'm gonna take my glasses off because i'm sweating so much you cannot read the paper i can't read the paper but you look even better thanks bro the soft focus is very good for it's me it's very strong it's like a, a photograph from the 1980s 50s sure the 50s we had really good lenses in the 50s but whatever keep going 19 no like a home photograph okay. it's like 16 millimeter film just it's like a snuff movie what? um everybody looks so, good in a snuff film <laughs> at the beginning at least <laughs> google is also looking to buy a studio outright um this project is codenamed yeti Perhaps because it may or may not actually exist. I was going to say, I think it exists, but Google does all sorts of shit. Yeah. This, oh, I, they're, they're, oh, they, this is one of a billion things that they are looking into. I don't see... But they were at E3 apparently courting people. Oh, no doubt. I'm sure that like they're serious about it in the same sense that they're serious about self-driving cars and in the same sense that they were serious about Google Glass and the same sense they were serious about like the eight different messaging platforms that they've introduced over the years and abandoned. Like Google is serious about everything they do because they have money, so they spend money and, and they're every, serious. And every so often, though, their seriousness pays off, and we are all on Gmail. I asked somebody today recently what their personal email was, and I realized that I didn't even ask what their personal Gmail or what their personal email was. I asked what their personal Gmail was. I get that. And it's when was the last time you talked to anybody about their Amazon console? You remember when Amazon no. bought multiple studios? Oh, right, because they... Um, yeah, you totally forgot that that happened. The, who's Clint Hawking. Clint Hawking. And the, the, the Portal uh, Girl. 
Yes, right. And they, in fact, Amazon has sort of just been like gating us from really good content. Yes, and, and then Amazon bailed on it. Guess what? Yeah. They did all this stuff. They made the console. They made the controller. And no one has one. Why? Did they release it? Yeah. What's it called? It was just like the Fire Box. It was like the, you could get oh, a version okay. of the so Fire. So it was just a version of the Fire. But but the the reality of this is... And they the never fact released that any of those games. They did put out some of those games. They put out they like Gears of War clone. They didn't put out anything by they didn't Clint, put Hawking. Clint, Hawking, Clint Hawking. Clint Hawking. Clint, Clint Hicking. Clint Hicking. Uh, no, Clint yeah. Hicking's game did not come out. Yeah. But what I'm getting at here is that these companies are so large. They have so much money. They're investing in all sorts of things all the time. It's possible this will come out. It's possible that it will be the future. I don't see enough money in this for Google to care. I agree, and I'm also more curious about the concept of whether streaming is going to have any kind of comeback or not, or whether streaming will have a moment in which it is essentially VR, where it turns into an offshoot. Because all we have seen of streaming so far, even when you have extraordinarily high broadband, that's the correct terminology, right? Bandwidth. Bandwidth, whatever. (laughs) When you have extraordinarily... I'm the coder. (laughs) And I'm the idiot. <laughs> Welcome to the coder and the idiot. <laughs> Wait, uh-huh. Serving up your drive time hits and some fart jokes. Uh, uh, and then we've also got that third guy who just laughs in the background of whatever <laughs> we say. <laughs> in any case, um, I'm curious whether streaming will have any kind of a future outside Crackdown 3, which I heard is going to use streaming to simulate buildings falling apart. Um, so I guess Sensitive the, Crackdown here's, 3. Here's the reality. Streaming is the future. These people are right, right? Like Microsoft is placing a bet on streaming. And I think that the world understands this intuitively in the same way that everybody knew there, something like Netflix would happen. Like, if you looked at the internet, you were like, eventually there will be something like this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was watching a documentary about Enron recently. Enron partnered with Blockbuster. You're losing all of our y- younger Okay, listeners. Enron was a big company. Doesn't matter. They went out of, be- uh, out of business. Right before that, they said that they were going to stream videos to everybody's homes in a partnership with Blockbuster. Guess what? They both lost big on that one because it didn't exist. Because they said it too early. Yeah. But everybody knew that this was plausible. Right, yeah. and we will get to an era when the bandwidth is fast enough that the latency is negligible, and it will work. Like there's no question. I don't think that's next year. Do you think net neutrality though will put a pause on this? Potentially, but I'll bet you that what the dark part about all that net neutrality stuff is that the market will bear a lot, and eventually people will just go, "Well, I want to play games. I'm not buying a console. I'm spending that money on my bandwidth." Yeah. So, so like. I think that... Uh, uh, yeah, it's an interesting... It will be time, right? But it's like it's like Spotify existed when I started college in like 2006. It was no in shit. England. Huh. And people had Spotify. And I remember people had Spotify and it linked in with Facebook and like it existed. And I remember going like, I keep buying all my songs because I love having my songs. I got my records. And I still do that because I'm an old man. I still do too. But... So it begs the question, when is the, the physical... I say media backlash going fi- to occur. 15 years from now, yeah, all the consoles will be streaming and it will work. And there will be parts of the country where that doesn't work. Oh, and 10 now- years from now, all the consoles will be streaming. 15 years from now, we'll have the physical media revival. And I think we already are seeing a little bit of that because you're buying in things games, digitally. In games, but specifically. In either case, right? Google is doing the right thing here mentally. Yeah. And it's totally plausible that they want to be 
developing a technology that allows this to work right so that they can license that to all these other people. Mm. But the idea of Google making a console seems a little far-fetched to me because I don't know that the money is in it. Final question on this point. Google develops a console, sell it for $200. Games don't interest you, but somehow they get the rights to God Hand. It runs 30 frames per second streaming. No way. My bandwidth is not high enough to provide the God Hand experience I demand. Agreed. Moving on. The uh, World Health Organization, also known they as did it. The Who, <laughs> has added I gaming love disorder. Tommy. <laughs> no one ever talks about the fact that uh, they found child pornography on Pete Townsend's computer. I did not know that, so you're right. No one does talk about that. <laughs> no one ever talks about that. I feel weird just making the joke about The Who now. Oh, you look so good, though. You do. You do, too. <laughs> You know why? Because I think neither of us have gaming disorder as classified by the ICD-11 and the fact that we don't have enough time to play video games to talk about on this podcast. You're not kidding, dude. (laughs) Anyway, the uh, uh, International Classification of Diseases, Part 11, I believe that that's what what ICD-11 is called, Um, it's basically (laughs) just a coding. It's for coding purposes, medical coding purposes. They... (laughs) They classify gaming disorder as a pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior online or offline that is essentially obsessive and you can't break a pattern. This is basically Fortnite, the disease. It's gambling disorder. And we talked about this on an early episode and discussed how it was basically just that you're addicted to gambling, gaming in the casino sense. And then also we have a way to do that in your house now. Would you like a loot box? It's a little different though, because this isn't referring specifically to loot boxes because there are no loot boxes in Fortnite. And this is, this is hot on the heels of Fortnite, which has become one of the most more talked about than Pokemon go. The gaming industry trade organizations have come together and they've called the conclusion uh, highly contested. It's quote, end quote. But I do think that like this that is... That just means that somebody said, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I think that this is similar to gambling, but it's a little different. Um, I still, and I we've talked about this previously, and you could probably go back into one of our podcasts that I can't remember the name of and, and find out. Oh, just listen to them all. What it is, or just listen to all of them because they're all great. They're all so they're good. All you did and so you're... good on all those podcasts, dude. And you did too. And our listener... You listened real well. You did so good on those podcasts. Yes, listener. You did. Thank you. Yes. Um, in any case, I think that it's much closer to a social media addiction, which to my knowledge, we don't have a disease classification for yet, because it's less about gambling in a risk-reward sense, and it's more about the consistent dopamine hits of a feedback loop that is always saying like, yes, good job. Yes, good job. Yes, good job. No, you failed, but here's how you fix it. Yes, good job. I feel like that's kind of gambling in a lot of different ways. It is, but there's but... a difference between monetary gambling, which is something that we tend to condemn because hmm. it is... It, ruinous. It, ruinous. It, it can ruin a life. It gets you into Tony Soprano, obviously. from what I've learned recently, <laughs> as I'm making my way through The Sopranos. A very ugly show from an aesthetic perspective oh dude that show is shot like a tv show it's really disturbing to go back and watch it in a way that i feel sort of like an asshole for saying but it is shot it is yeah it is shot like a show that existed before anybody realized like we could use film techniques totally like it's very funny because it feels as though they were like who could we hire to do this i guess people who shot things for cbs yeah and you realize that that's the real differentiator between prestige modern television and old television is that 
the people who were good at shooting things always graduated to movies before. Which arguably makes The Sopranos even more of a writer's show, but I'm going to come out and say right now that as good as the writing is on that show, I don't think it's as good as people remember it being. I agree. It definitely feels like it's from a different time. I love your opinions on things. I think that you always are really insightful and you really agree with me and I love that. So I love agreeing with you and I love how much you just accept it. Lap it up. It's wonderful. (laughs) I'll lap it. I'm lapping right now. Um, anyway, <laughs> we've talked about the, the who on previous and their, their takes on gaming disorders in previous podcasts. Go listen to those. They're great. We're not as affirmative on them, but they're still very interesting. Very. One final note, um, the compete, which was the Gizmodo media attempt at combining, uh, Kotaku, a gaming blog and Deadspin, a sports blog. Is that dead? It's dead. No kidding. Just as of earlier today, Friday. Um, this joint venture has shut down. It covered competitive gaming, aka esports, and it's no longer in existence. Everything around the decision to shut it down has been somewhat cagey. Half the people are leaving, and half of them are staying on at Kotaku, not at Deadspin. Um, and it makes me wonder whether it has to do with the arguments that seem to be consistently ongoing in the blogs there or in the comment sections on the blogs there as to whether esports constitute a sport i never read any of these articles uh i know one of the writers for it was maddie myers and i've always enjoyed maddie myers she writes Uh, very good stuff about esports yeah maddie myers i've enjoyed all of her writing she's really cool i don't remember who any of the other people who are writing for it so i hope that she is retained she's retained at kotaku as an editor that's great Uh, so i assume that she will be handling all esports content uh, that always seems like a really weird thing to me and not just because I don't like, I think esports makes sense, but I don't follow them cause I don't follow sports. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of weird when I see like things about team trades, about teams I don't care about. Also all these esports teams have terrible names. They're oh, always just like the LA surprised. dragons and they're, stuff. They're essentially named by like a combination of Ed Hardy and whoever names monster flavors. You have been going hard on the Ed Hardy. <laughs> I think hard the on the hard. Uh, it's yeah. I, hard Hardy. <laughs> Um, hardy, hardy. Uh, <laughs> I give up. Cut that. <laughs> in any case, I think that this is this is an interesting because generally, you remember in a previous episode, you talked about Hulu creating a series of TV shows that are all yeah. about competitive esports. So it remains to be seen that there is clearly a market there that someone is trying to tap into. But is that market so separate? from traditional sports or p-sports physical sports as i like to call it (laughs) p-sport is also something that you can do in your russian hotel room if you are a soon to be president of the united states (laughs) united space motherfucker we're going to the moon (laughs) um p-sport is a there's a variety there's variety there there it's like sun chips what (laughs) Uh, <laughs> um what what I will say uh, <laughs> is that uh uh people have been trying to make esports a thing and have known that there's like a potential market there for maybe 20 years. Wait, uh, really? Yeah, like there've been Quake 3 tournaments that people have been trying to monetize forever. Oh, okay. But like there there this is this has existed and people have made these tournaments. 
there is something about it where I don't think that it plays well in a spectator context. And I also think that the games that get really successful are very difficult to follow and not in the sense of like football where somebody just kind of like in five seconds goes like they need to go 10 yards. That's yeah. all they need to do right oh, now. Overwatch. Like, I don't know how you watch Overwatch and enjoy it. I don't it. understand that. I don't like these Dota matches. I get that people would be interested in it competitively because it's Dota makes got a little the bit depth, more sense. But it's also as somebody who's even played MOBA and enjoyed it, it's not easy to follow if you don't play MOBAs, which is very different from like soccer, where you don't need to play soccer to go like, I see that guy, he's kicking the thing. Like that's all you need, which you kind of can't get in a lot of these games because there's so much complexity and so much depth. Um, a lot of sports that are big are mind-numbingly simple. Yeah. You know, like soccer is like a child could make up soccer, which is why it's amazing. I guess a child could make up soccer, yes. Yeah, you just go yeah. like, you can't use your hands today. Everybody- Are you saying that a child couldn't make up Mario Tennis Aces? Could a child make up tennis? Yes. <laughs> could a child make up tennis that involves super meters? No, because children do not have super meters. They get them when they're 18. Uh, what- you need a license for that. <laughs> yeah, dude, you can't just start there. Um, but, But like... That's the interesting thing about esports to me is that games, video games, are always exceptionally deep, like yes. to a degree that makes off-putting degree. Yes, for, it, it for makes it very difficult for somebody yeah. who doesn't play it to see what is happening. Whereas if somebody does a bicycle kick, anybody can watch a video of somebody like flipping over and kicking a ball into a net and go like, "I couldn't do that. Yeah. That's cool." Whereas when I make an incredible leap in Dark Souls to bypass an enemy because I'm just trying to mainline for a boss while I maintain my humanity, less interesting. Somebody thinks that's cool if they've played Dark Souls. Do you think it's cool? I think you're really cool. I think you're really cool. Too. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. Um, anyway, that's all the news I had. That actually took us much longer to run through. It took us a long it. time. Yeah. So, um, Have you played video games? All right, I'm going to I'm going to talk really quickly about one game that I played because I've been playing Dark Souls um remastered and I've enjoyed that, but I think you guys all know that we love Dark Souls. So if you want to play the best Dark Souls game, better than Dark Souls 3, definitively I say it now. I agree. Um but it, How far are you because I feel like Dark Souls 1 falls off in the late game? It does and it still does. It still does. It still falls off. Which Dark Souls 3 does not. The front half of Dark Souls 1 is better than the entirety of Dark Souls 3. I can't necessarily argue. And I thought that when I was playing Dark Souls 3, I was like, maybe I just like Dark Souls 1 that much because it was... Your first. Because it was my first. Playing it again, and I am not particularly nostalgic about these things in that regard. Playing it again, it is actually just the best game in the series, hands down. It's such a cool game. It's astounding. It is packed with a depth, a strange, like quirky depth that is just nowhere else in these games. And and not only do you meet the Onion Knight, you meet the Onion Knight's daughter, oh, which I'd forgotten about. I forgot about that too. Yeah. So you get to meet our old friend, the Onion Knight. What a game. It's really great. I highly recommend this game. If you have any interest in Dark Souls, if you played Bloodborne and you were like, I like that, but I wish it moved a little bit slower. Go play Dark Souls 1. It's, it is slower than Dark Souls 3. It's, oh, but it's such a joy. It is a good video it's game. It's a very good video game. And I, having not played the remaster yet, I would hear arguments that 3 was better, but I also totally believe what you're saying. Yeah. No, it, is in, it plays at 60 frames per second. That's really fun. Yeah. I actually went back and played some Bloodborne at a friend's house mm. recently. Um, that game is wonderful. 
but playing it at 30 frames per second <laughs> is very difficult when you're coming from the 60 <laughs> fps it's the smooth glassy smooth frame yes right? it, i have never it might actually be the most shocking like comparison that i've ever seen like going from one thing to another interesting um, but in any case that's not the game that i actually wanted to talk about uh the game that i wanted to talk about is a um an independent little game uh that i downloaded off itch.io called all our asias that's all our asias to be specific uh the game is by sean han tani and uh it's about a young Japanese American man whose father is dying and in a, essentially like a, a non-communicative state. He's in a coma, I guess is what you would call it and dying. And so he goes into with, into his father's memories. And so in the game, there's, there's very little setup in the game. You basically pilot this little round ship around these strange, um, very PS1 sort of graphical areas that are, uh, they're this strange mix of like vibrant architecture and PS1 graphics. That like they're cool. really fascinating and at the same time, like very rudimentary. Mm. And I haven't finished the game yet. I'm about an hour in. I suspect that it's probably an hour or three or two or three hours long. Um, but it's, it has, uh, it's it's a singular thing, but it's most singular because it is so concerned with architecture and the design of space in a way that I haven't encountered before. And it utilizes what are specifically PlayStation One style graphics to do so. You have a 3D space and you have a 3D avatar that you move around, but the majority of everything, any of the effects around you are all two-dimensional sprites. So say you have like snow coming down, that'll be a two-dimensional sprite. Um, a lot of the signs that you interact with are two-dimensional sprites. All of the foliage are two-dimensional sprites. And they're, it reminds me very much of the game Zenio Gears. Okay. Um, That's which, a very distinctive era in uh, visual style. It is. And this is such a callback to that that it's fascinating. And the game itself is, is interesting in its um, kind of engagement with what it means to be, I say this as a white Caucasian male, but like what it means to be um, an Asian person and specifically an Asian person, a person of Asian descent, but who has not actually ever lived in Asia and completely identifies as an American. So thematically, there's a lot of interesting things going on. That sounds really cool. But what I like most about it is the way that it is this sort of retro tourism of these brand new spaces that are really architecturally interesting within developed within a purely PS one aesthetic. Yeah. And I it's the music is also beautiful, which I believe was all written by the creator of the game. And um, it's great because it's a PS one game. So the music's on a CD. <laughs> the music is very sharp, but it is clearly all electronic. Great. And like MIDI and it's, so it's just it's very striking and it's a very interesting game. I haven't finished it again, but it's on itch.io. It's free. Um or very you can, good. Or you can pay like a buck and you get like the soundtrack and you can download the soundtrack as well. And I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot, like just kind of on my own because it's very relaxing. Um but like it's just a fascinating experience and it just reminded me of the fact that like alongside all these major titles that we play, there are an astounding number of games that are released completely free on various platforms well no just the computer i'm sorry not various platforms they're all released exclusively on the computer check out itch.io 
anytime. There's tons of games on there. There's tons of weird little experiments on there. There are people doing things. There are people making things that are really interesting and really astounding in their own ways, in their own small ways, that are not going to blow you away the way that a, a you know first-party game like The Last of Us or Gears of War is going to, but that will usher you into a space that you never thought that you would necessarily Kind of open up your mind. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It uh, is awesome, because my suggestions are awesome, just like your suggestions are awesome. Word, dude. You know what else is awesome? What? God of War. I it, haven't played that in a while, because I beat it like four and a half, eight months ago. I don't know. I hadn't played it in a long time, because I've had so much going on, I and know, I finally got, got like, back married. to it. That game is great. Uh, I am right at the end of it, and I know I am. So I intended to finish it, and then I got started doing all of the side quests that it gave me. <laughs> And then I didn't yes. finish it, but I did. I'm literally like climbing up the hill. Like, there's a twist in this game where a character becomes a dick. <laughs> I am well beyond that. We are traveling together. God, I hate this character. Are we? Are we allowed to spoil this game yet? Um, before we spoil the game, I think you can spoil what you're going to say. But I want to say one thing. Okay. I did a little slew thing. Okay. Uh, because now that we are PlayStation friends, and I looked at your trophy achievements, not quite as close to the end as you think you are, my friend. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You're about three quarters of the way. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I don't want to burst your bubble. I did a bunch of the side quest stuff. There's even more. Whoa. Here's the other thing that you should know. Um, side quests can all wait till the end. So I believe that. I just was doing it. I recommend just playing through the story and then doing the side quests. So I probably Personally. ought to. Here, cause but I'm not, here's I'm not trying to tell you what to do because whatever you do is going to be great because you've done it. <laughs> Thanks, And dude. that's you. Here's, here's the problem. I am hilariously overpowered. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, man. This is going to be really interesting in the after that, game. Then. That game is not a challenge at all. And it hasn't been for hours. I just... Have you fought any of the Valkyries? Uh, so I went in. I went into a, a Valkyrie fight, and I honestly was. That was the moment that I was like, "This will take some time. I need to finish this game so I can talk about it on the podcast." And I just ran out of the room. Okay, fair. And just kind of kept going. But did you try it at least once? I, I, it, it attacked me, and I died in two hits. It is. Did you? I'm just gonna say right now, it is God Hand. I believe that it is good pattern recognition. It is astoundingly good. So, uh, but Valkyrie fights are so satisfying. I believe that right now the rest of it is not particularly satisfying to me. I hear you. The combat really took a turn where the kid is. I'm sorry. The person that goes bad is the kid. The kid's a dick. The kid becomes a dick. The understandably so. I will say the best. The best thing in the game so far for me is that now he doesn't always listen to you which is the best bit of video game interface telling a story since Brothers, in my mind, where suddenly this thing that you've been able to rely on in terms of a button press stops being obedient, and that's really cool. Uh, So I like that a lot. Yes, it's very cool. But also, I'm just kind of marching through dudes I've seen before. Every big boss is one of these dudes who has a big heavy stick <laughs> ogre man you know what i mean like he has one of those pillars that he hits you yeah. with every F- is that fdr that said who was it that said yeah that big stick yep it was right, i think it. i don't actually I don't, don't know. know it's one of our mckinley they walk softly because they or talk softly 
Eat thing. softly. It's so stupid. I, I like. I'm kind of bummed out they by reci- it. They recycle way too many enemies. They well, and they, they went through the trouble of skinning them, but they didn't make new cool animations. So you're just fighting yeah. the same dudes. I'm just marching through, and I'm just unkillable. And it's really like one of the things I loved about the game was how like responsive all the characters were. They were like, "That was tough," or whatever. After yeah. you know. Um, except that now they're just like, whoo, that was harder. And I'm like, not really. They yeah. touched us once because I got bored. Like we just kill them. Yeah. Everything dies. And the idea that the Valkyrie fights are really cool and exciting is neat, but they're so auxiliary at this point. Oh, they're, they're totally unnecessary. They're secondary. To it the plot. doesn't really thrill me. And so I'm still very impressed by the game. I'm having a good time. Yeah. But it's amazing how this combat that went from being like, wow, this is so sharp, is just sort of boring. Even though the things I'm doing are cool, like it all still feels really good, but I'm just like incredibly bored as I throw my my axe into people. And that's honestly why I didn't like plow through it is because a little bit of the momentum is gone because I'm not like in that mode of, oh, wow, around this corner, there's going to be a totally new enemy. It's going to be super fun to fight them. I'm going to be challenged, but not like taken to the wall. It's going to be great. Yeah. I I agree. I did not have as easy of a walk through the game as you did maybe at this point. But um, I agree that it starts to recycle a little bit too much. It feels very In the, in the back half samey. of the game. Um, which is shocking considering how amazed I was in the front half of the game. Yeah. As to the variety of, of enemies. We both were. But we both were. And then the, the trick, though, is that they just say, and that's it. And that's it. And that's it. So it's all front-loaded. The other thing that it lacks uh, that I always found God Hand, what was really nice about God Hand, is the God Hand would show you a new enemy. And then it might show you just variations of that enemy, but the variation in God Hand comes from the way that they give you that enemy with like two of a different kind of enemy. Yes. And they start mixing it up. And this game just does more of the same enemy at you and doesn't do those sorts of combinations. And honestly, it makes me realize that like the enemies aren't as interesting as the God hand enemies. So they're not as distinctive in the way I fight them. And the combat system is actually not as good as I thought it was. It's cool. It feels good. It's, but it's not, not as deep. It actually, well, the fact is it's not as deep as God hand. Well, it's, it's actually kind of shallow. I don't think it's actually that shallow. I mean, I feel like I'm doing cool things, like, and I choose yeah. certain specials. I think our like, early engagements with this game, when you and I tried to play it on the hardest difficulty level, and we played through the opening section, proves that this game does not have a shallow combat system. It is that our... I still think that our method of comparison, being God hand... I don't think it renders. demands. This, I mean, God Hand is like the the whatever trench, and this game is the marina. Is the mar- I think, right? I don't know. Either way, I I see what you're saying, but I think it's more that the enemy design, and by which I mean the ways in which the enemies fight you, is not strong and or unique enough to really bring out the depth in the combat system. Mm. Even if that combat is there, even if that depth is there, that's a good. You argument. don't actually explore it because I just rock them. That's an excellent argument, Bob. Thank you, man. It yeah. means a lot. No, Do you want I, to talk I, about affirmations? Uh, yeah, although I want to say that I look forward to you playing more of that game. And I do look forward to your take on the Valkyries because I think the Valkyries are very interesting. I, I think they look cool as hell. They look very cool. It was cool. honestly, Design I got into that, interact, in, in, into that interaction. Yeah. And also, I was you, like, I should just finish I recommend this game. fighting them in a certain order because they do get progressively harder in a way that is difficult to discern. Discern. Yeah. That makes sense. 
but yeah, let's let's move on to just let's just keep affirming each other generally because I really I think that whatever you chose for your favorite thing other than video games this week is going to be really wonderful. Awesome, man. And I, I think the same is. for you. So I picked uh, the reboot of Queer Eye on Netflix. Oh, that's an incredible choice. It's also my choice. Oh my god, that's such a good choice. It's such an incredible choice. Dude, that's great. We have made. Why do you okay? We've made incredible choices. Why do you like Queer Eye? So uh, which I is, uh, on. We should say is on Netflix. There's two seasons streaming currently on Netflix. I loved old Queer Eye on Bravo. I never watched it, but uh, I, heard, I heard good things. It was so good, man. And I, I I always loved watching it because I like most people. I think like seeing people reinvent themselves in some way, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just a feel good experience. And also Carson was funny, and I love Ted. Um, so. I always liked that show, though it did have the weird baggage of like the idea that gay dudes are the only people who know about fashion. These straight guys are all hobos who live in the streets, and this is all that gay people bring to the table. Like there was like that weird element about like it. It was divisive. Totally. It was it was it was inclusive and it, divisive. It draws in equal a measure. line, but it draws a clear line. It, it seems to say like th- these are gay men and these are straight men. And right. These are and, and these are what we're good the at. Twain shall meet except for on this reality. TV yes. Thank show. God we crossed into the demilitarized zone for this. Yes. On Bravo. Um, oh my God, if they did one though for Kim. <laughs> oh, uh, what a get that would be. Anyway. <laughs> um, so. Oh my God, that would change everything. I, I always liked that show a lot and yeah. now they've brought it back and it's better than ever. And it's no longer bound to this idea that they need to be making over straight men. And it's. They include women. They include uh, gay trans dude. people yeah gay, like they, they, they hit everybody gay. and it's yeah. awesome because it's just a show about feeling good about yourself and we're doing affirmations because what i realized about this show and what i love about this show and this is the only thing i'll say about it is that this show is basically based around the idea that if you give somebody a compliment when they do look good they want to continue looking good and they feel good about themselves and they realize why it's worth looking good or why it's worth pursuing the things that they're interested in or why it's worth like doing anything. And it's worth doing those things because you feel better. And I think that it points to a fundamental element of people, which is that I know that I feel good when I do certain things and I'm like, this is good. But it's really helpful to have somebody else go like, yeah, that is good. Especially when it's something that's externally facing. And this show is so good about that. And it's just people telling each other that they're good people and that they should be allowed to be themselves. And it's just such a wonderful thing to experience, even from afar. It is. Uh, it, it, it tackles male uh, well, toxic masculinity. Yeah. In such a, it's such a helpful with a hug. Just yeah, with a it hug. It tackles it. It literally tackles it. It tackles it and holds it sweetly. Well, no, it just and just, just says and just says like, it's all right. You look good. It's a wonderful show. It allows conversation about feelings in a way that that most shows about men certainly do not. And it's it, it's 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 affirming, as you said. Everything that you said could not have been more right or more wonderful to to (laughs) listen to frankly like and i should say like to to listeners we actually did not plan this and we uh all we did find out shortly before recording that we had both chosen the reboot of queer eye and netflix as our favorite thing of the week yeah and 
and we I highly recommend watching it. Um, I think I've really loved it. The ads for it that I see on the train here in Chicago that are like, no, you're crying. I find actually really sell short what it is. And that's not to say that that's you won't true. feel deeply like I, I find myself like genuinely choked up at certain parts oh, of it. I, I have outright yeah. wept but it's, multiple but it's, times. It's not, it's not that they're wrong. No, they're but right it's, about it's, that. It's so much more than just like, I'm just going to cry because like they're making somebody's oh, life And that's better. true. Although I would not discount as much as I totally respect your opinion. I think <laughs> that you're 100% right. I would not discount the benefits, the cathartic benefits of a good cry. And I don't know if you as a straight, cis straight white male, like also feel like it is sometimes difficult to cry. Um, mm. I find it very satisfying to occasionally watch things that provoke that, that response. provoke that response and especially provoke that response in an earned way. Mm. And boy, does this show earn it. This show is great. It is not manipulative. It is totally earnest and it is totally forthright and it is, it's wonderful. Also the dude who does hair on this show, Jonathan is wonderful, is from Gay of Thrones. He is from Gay of Thrones. Which I don't watch Game of Thrones anymore, but when I did, literally there was an entire season and a half during which the only reason I watched it was so I could watch Gay of Thrones, this man's recap show, which honestly, that also is my thing of the week. Go watch Gay of Thrones because it's terrific. It is. It's a wonderful I don't even recap care if show you for a show it. that kind of sucks. Yeah, but just go watch that, man. Anyway, your real, your real homework, listeners is to just be affirmative. It's been a really shitty week. Terrible things are happening everywhere. Go pay someone a compliment. Even it, I mean, it's hard to pay yourself a compliment. I get that. If you can do it for yourself, do it. Otherwise, go pay somebody else a compliment and, and see their favor returned in kind. That's beautiful. You're beautiful. Thanks, man.